the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it is dark for a long while, even the smallest light can hurt your eyes. Have you noticed that? Because the light can be harmful if you've been in the dark too long. Angel light appeared that night to the shepherds. It was bright light off the scales that first Christmas. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. We would love to see you there. And we will have details on that as we continue on with today's program. You can also watch the broadcast live, streaming at reachinghearts.org slash video every Saturday at 11. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Today on Reaching Your Heart, Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message is entitled, The Star is Born. We'll bring you the first portion of that message today. And remember, you can always find it online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. And we will bring you the next portion of this message the next time we get together. Thanks for joining us today. Here's Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, as we focus on the Word of God, a little shorter than some Sabbaths here, we ask you to guide us. Thank you for the testimonies of the day. The strongest part of the messages that we needed. Help us to live for Jesus. In his name, amen. The title of our message this morning is The Star is Born. Sarah William once wrote that I have loved the stars too fondly to be fearful of the night. The world we enjoy, the world we live in, started a long time ago in the night, and then it moved to the bright light. Everything that we know started with darkness and it ended with light, and somehow Jesus was in the mix. Night was here when it was dark before, and when Jesus showed up, there was light ever after. We live in the era of light because Jesus is the light of the world. Of the four Gospels in our New Testament, only three of them speak of Jesus' birth, but in different ways. Mark avoids the subject altogether as he starts his gospel story with John the Baptist and Jesus' baptism. He moves right into Jesus' ministry, ignores his early life and his birth. Luke dwells on the relationship of John's birth with Jesus' birth as they were born at about the same time. Gabriel shows up in the gospel of Luke. Now, we haven't seen him since the book of Daniel. He shows up in Luke. And the shepherds meet the angels in the gospel of Luke. And Luke in Greek means light. We get our word lux, like, you know, so many thousand lux for LED lights. Luke means light. It comes from the Greek word lux. And so Luke, in a sense, is the light. There is no star of Bethlehem in the gospel of Luke. In Luke's gospel, when Jesus was born, the glory suddenly broke into the night and the shepherds were afraid. And somehow the light showed the way. Luke 2 verse 9, open your Bibles with me and let's just turn to the gospel of Luke. It says, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. 
The King James Version says they were sore afraid. In our modern English usage, the word sore means you're hurt. How many of you have been sore when you did a good workout? Anybody here? Got sore, physical therapy going at it, your muscles hurt, your body aches, and so on. Sore means you are suffering from pain and somewhere in the body from something that hurts you. That's how we use the word sore. It can also mean severe and urgent if you look it up in the dictionary. Pain can hurt. It can be severe and it can be urgent. In the Old English, though, the King James is the Old English, the word sore means extremely or severely. The shepherds were extremely and severely afraid. Have you ever been extremely and severely afraid in your life? I have been. I have stared a shark in the eyes, and I'm telling you, I was extremely and severely afraid, scuba diving, looking at one of those things. And so the shepherds were extremely and severely afraid, and I bet you that they were suffering, that they were sore as well, that there was something inside of them that needed a Savior to fix the mess. They were sore with a heavy, heavy heart, yearning for God and the light of the world. Friend, there is something good about a night when it's scary. When you don't have the light to show you the way, what is it that's good about a scary night? You see, because the night is always pregnant with the possibility that the light will burst forth and will overtake it. And so the night precedes the morning and the day. And so there's something about the night with promise in it. In my early 20s as a student missionary, I was scuba diving one night in the Marshall Islands. I'll never forget it. I had my flashlight, I had my triple D batteries in my flashlight. It goes about 90 minutes and it goes dead. So you've got to go down to 60 feet, 70 feet, watch what you're going to watch, get out of the water before your flashlight goes dead or you go dead. You always scuba dive with someone. You never scuba dive alone. I remember when that light went out on me once. It was pitch dark. And I know from experience, the most fearful experience you can know as a scuba diver is to be at 60 feet and for your flashlight to go dead in the water. And you know that there are sharks and barracuda around you and that you can be bitten and you cannot see what's coming at you. It's a fearful feeling. When it is dark for a long while, even the smallest light can hurt your eyes. Have you noticed that? You cover your eyes, you're dark, and suddenly someone cuts on the light and you go, ooh, it hurts. Because the light can be harmful if you've been in the dark too long. Angel light appeared that night to the shepherds. It was bright light off the scales that first Christmas in the fields of Bethlehem where the E.T. angels. Why do you say that, Pastor Mike? Because angels are extraterrestrials. E.T. angels showed up and the glory that surrounds God, which permeates them, somehow was filling the countryside. And these little shepherds, these outcast shepherds, these unclean shepherds, as far as the rabbis were concerned, were the focus of God's glory and God's concern that first Christmas. The shepherds lived all alone in the night without a shepherd. They were shepherds without a shepherd. They lived outside of Bethlehem. David had been the shepherd. They didn't live in the city. They lived outside the city. And the shepherds were afraid of the light. And so are we at times when the night is dark and the light is suddenly bright. It's possible to be afraid of God's truth in our lives. There were only a few shepherds out there in the fields looking for light in the night that first Christmas. Only a few with a lot of sheep in need of heaven's hay. You see, they fed the sheep, but they needed feeding. They needed heaven's hay. That first Christmas, the spiritual shepherds of God's people at the temple in Jerusalem were not studying the prophecies of the book of Daniel, of Isaiah, Micah, and Moses very much. I mean, they were too busy to bother applying the Bible to their daily lives and looking for the Messiah. 
And they sure didn't want the light that would call them to change their lives. No, keep that kind of light out of our life. Thomas Merton once wrote this. He said, the ox and the donkey understood more of the first Christmas than the high priest in Jerusalem. It is the same today. You know, it's possible to be such an expert in religion, you know nothing of it. It's possible for us to have all the knowledge of God, you know, in the technical kind of way, to have the creeds right or whatever, and to miss who Jesus is in our life. In the Gospel of Matthew, the wise men came from the east following a star that led them to Jerusalem. They came to learned men who should have known the light from God's word, who should have been learned in the things of God in a personal relationship with him. They came to religious leaders who were proud and clueless and who did not know that the true light that enlightens the whole world, he was coming into the world that first Christmas. Friend, in every age, true wise men and wise women are the ones who are looking for Jesus in their lives. If you want to find a wise man, find a man or a woman who wants Christ in them, who wants to know the living God. That is a wise person. And so they came to King Herod, they came to the nation there, and they didn't find what they were looking for, these wise men from the east, because they thought they would find people who had a relationship with God. Look at Matthew 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Like the shepherds, Herod the king was afraid of the star in the night, high above with its dire implications for all the people in him. See, that star was not something pretty. He could sing Silent Night and all that beautiful little star. No, Herod's name, generally speaking, means something like this in the original language, scaredy cat. Imagine being a king named Scaredy Cat. His name actually invokes etymologically the meaning of fear. Herod was the king named after fear who ruled over a kingdom of fear. And he was afraid of little messiahs who would pop up and take the place of King Herod. He killed family members to keep them off the throne. He'd kill any baby that would challenge it also that first Christmas. Jerusalem means in Hebrew the reign of peace like the rain that falls to make the grass grow so sheep can feed and shepherds can take their sheep through the fields. But it also means the teaching of peace. It has a dual meaning there. The first part of Jerusalem can mean the rain or the teaching of peace. And thus it anticipates where the bread of life would come, where God's word would come and we would have the teaching of peace. That is where they came to. They came to Jerusalem, the place that should have had the answers. The star was not an omen of good news for Herod. The star was a sign of bad times just ahead. When the star appeared, it was an omen for the ancients that a great king was born and war was certain to come for the conquering king. That's what the star meant to them. When Alexander the Great was born, Alexander of Macedonia, who became king of Greece, according to his mother Olympias, she was a virgin mother who was visited by the great God of the highest part of the pantheon, the Greek pantheon, Zeus, the wielder of the thunderbolt. And according to her, Zeus, the thunder god, got her pregnant. And thus, as a virgin mother, she gave birth to Alexander the Great, the son of Zeus. And that is what he was taught as a little child. Zeus was the god of thunder. He was the son of God. 
Of course, Philip of Macedon cheated on Olympias, didn't like her at all. That story didn't make sense to him. And it was very likely in his mind, Alexander was not his son either. Olympias put the idea into young Alexander's head, and he was the son of the highest god of the Greeks. Maybe he was, in fact, the illegitimate son of Philip, not the son of Philip at all, just the son of Olympias. The story worked. Alexander wasn't killed by Philip. When Alexander conquered the world after Philip was assassinated, most likely by Olympias, maybe by Alexander, when he conquered the world, he later claimed to be, when his conquest had just expanded beyond the great conquest of Gronicus, Arbella, and Isis, he claimed to be the son of God. The first king who had conquered the world could make such a claim, and who doubted it? When he went to Egypt, he claimed to be the son of Amun, and he believed it. It's amazing how a mother's lie can direct the life of a bully king, a narcissist, so that he rises to power to become something he was never called to be. Olympias told Alexander that when he was born, there were great signs and wonders. When a star appeared over Macedonia, over Ephesus, at his birth, he was not just born, according to his mother, he was born and a star appeared to announce the coming of the ruler of the world. And when that star appeared, the temple of Diana in Ephesus was burnt to the ground at the same time. It was later rebuilt at that site where a fallen star, a meteor, it found its place of impact and there they built the great temple of Artemis, the temple to Diana. The ancient historian Plutarch records the interpretation of the significance of the star in the sky over Ephesus and the fire on the ground that burnt the temple of Diana down when Alexander the Great was born. He writes, ancient historian, and all the eastern soothsayers, that's the wise men from the east, who happened to be then at Ephesus, looking upon the ruin of this temple to be the forerunner of some other calamity, ran about the town, beating their faces and crying that this day had brought forth something that would prove fatal and destructive to all Asia. Of course, that is the birth of Alexander the Great. Now put that story, which was well in the mindset of the ancient Jewish people, because they had been Hellenized. The kingdom of Alexander had conquered the world. Judaism spoke and used the Greek language, the Koine Greek of that time. So it's not hard to imagine why the star and the appearance of wise men startled the whole city and the leader of the temple in Jerusalem. And why the king was troubled too. They were Hellenized Jews. They were Jews that knew the story of Alexander the Great. And they knew of what a star would mean for the temple and the city in the future. That war would come. A great king would overthrow the kingdom. And this celestial sign that a king was born was considered the evil omen of something so bad that it brought terror to them. It looked like the prophecy of the evil prophet Balaam and the Torah, the prophet who had defied Moses, would come true in their lifetime. And the temple of Jerusalem, in light of Alexander's story, seems certain to be destroyed. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. You remember Balaam who wanted to curse Israel for all the money he got out of King Balak? We have it for children's stories. It's interesting how a prophet on a donkey 
He was moving to do the wrong thing. The angel of the Lord stood with the sword, ready to take his life, but didn't because the donkey in mercy, you know, he went against a rock and hurt Balaam a little bit, but saved his life. And he took his stick out and beat the donkey. And then the Lord opened up the mouth of the donkey. I would love to have a donkey that could talk. I had a cat that could almost talk. Hunter would come up to me, would look at me and go, which means open the door and let me out of here. Tell me he was hungry, whatever. And I could kind of figure out what he was saying. I mean, that cat language got embedded in my head somehow. I would love to have heard in English my cat speaking to me. I'd be rich beyond belief. I could get my cat and go somewhere and end up on a television show. They would pay us $50 million to see a cat who could really speak. We could do all kinds of things. Well, that's fantasy. But how many of you like to have an animal that can speak the human language? How many of you think you have an animal that can speak the human language? You do. Okay. Well, all right. Now, sometimes a donkey is smarter than a man of God who will not listen to the clear word of God, who will not do the right thing when the Bible speaks forthrightly on the subject of concern. Balaam was just this kind of a foolish man, a foolish prophet, and a prophet who thought himself smarter than God's word. We are living in a time when men and women who are clergymen and clergywomen, we are living in a time when so many set aside the clear word of God. Balaam was that kind. He was just this kind of a foolish man who was smarter than the Bible. Balaam prophesied in Numbers 24, 17 with a lot of drama to make Balaam look good. Numbers 24, 17. And he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, son of Baor, the oracle of the man whose eye is opened, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down but having his eyes uncovered. I see him but not now. I behold him but not nigh. A star shall come forth out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. And Edom shall be dispossessed. Seir also his enemies shall be dispossessed while Israel does valiantly. It's amazing. Herod, whose name means scaredy cat, was an Edomite by descent. And so a new star on the sky meant a lot to him. He was afraid of the future. He was afraid of his fragile kingdom being taken from him. And based on the prophecy of Balaam, he knew what would happen. Because he was an Edomite, the text says in verse 18, Edom shall be dispossessed. Herod was from the very nation where the prophet said, a star arises, that kingdom goes. That meant his kingdom was toast if the prophecy would be proved true. Curse that star in the sky, he must have thought. I will be king in spite of the star. The shepherds were afraid and they accepted the newborn king because they needed the right kind of king in their lives. They weren't picking and choosing heaven's king. They knew that if heaven could find them, it had to be better than from where they came from. They were looking for a kingdom of light. Herod was afraid. He wanted to stay in the dark, and so he tried to kill the newborn king because he would not have any king to rule in his heart but himself as king. That first Christmas, the light and the night meant different things to different people, depending on the person and the personal expectations and their inner yearnings. For the wise men, the star pointed the way to the birth of a new star that would outshine them all 
as a king and a wise man, much needed in that dark age. These wise men knew that they were not so smart. They knew that they lacked the greater knowledge of God. And they were following a star to find the king. They left their land for his land to find him somewhere else. And so should we this Christmas do the same. Wherever Christ is to be found, that is where we should go. We need to leave those things far behind in our life that prevent us from knowing Jesus in our lives. There are things in the world that would trap us and pull us down. Let them go to find the king. We need to make the journey to God's word and God's truth in our lives. Not our plan, not our purpose, but his word and truth. In the Gospel of John, there's no mention of Bethlehem or the shepherds or the wise men when Jesus was born. In the Gospel of John... Jesus is the first light. He's a space alien. He comes into this world as a space alien, so to speak. And the best light, the first light of creation, breaks into the darkness of a sinful world like it did at the dawn of time. That's how the Gospel of John gets going. John 3.16 says that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. How does it go? That whosoever or whoever what believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. When Jesus was born, the star was born. That is the true light that we need in our life. Not the star in the sky that led the wise men to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem, to the house. That is not the star that John is talking about. Not a star in the sky or an angel of light in a field like we have in the Gospel of Luke. Just angel light. Jesus is the first and true light. The greatest of all light. Primordial light in the history and creation of the universe. And when Jesus was born that first Christmas, the true star that created all and gave life to the entire universe, a vast created realm, was born in Bethlehem's manger to save us. John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word, just like Genesis 1. In the beginning God created. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And I like verse 4, in him was life. I mean, whatever life we have, it came from Jesus. There's no life without Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men and women understood. The light shines in the darkness. And the Greek says here, rightly translated, the darkness has not overcome it. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void in Genesis 1. And the book of Genesis says that darkness was upon the face of the deep. The dark pre-created order was begging for light, for hope, and a future. And God said, let there be light. The very first word of God in Genesis, let there be light. And before there was a sun, a moon, or a star to appear on the fourth day, the light of God's spoken word, the light of the word of God without a sun, moon, or star appears on the first day. And Jesus will say in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. I am the first star. I am the first light. I am original light. There was darkness before the creation of the world, and Jesus was the light that overcame the darkness of Lucifer, that threatened to destroy us all. Lucifer's name means light bearer. 
Christ is the light. He's not the light bearer. That Jesus is always the original light that overcomes the darkness in our lives. If you want light, if you want truth, you want meaning, you want God, you need Jesus. John says of Jesus, verse 4, In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In the Gospel of Luke, angel light appears to the shepherds in the night. In the Gospel of Matthew, a star guides the wise men to Jesus. In the Gospel of John, Jesus was the light that was coming into the world to save the world. When Jesus was born, the true star was born. The star of the dawn of time was born in Bethlehem's manger. John 1 verse 9, the true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. Friend, Jesus came to give God's light in our darkness so that we could have creation all over again in our lives. Jesus came to show us the way in our personal night. Jesus came to take away the darkness of our fear of God so we can know deep within that God is with us again. In Revelation twenty-two sixteen, Jesus identifies himself as the true star that precedes the dawn of time. Revelation twenty-two sixteen, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you, that's to John, with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and offspring of David. That means I'm the child in Bethlehem's manger, the descendant of David. But then he says, the bright morning star. We're all looking for heroes in life. And Hollywood has its stars. Bollywood has its stars in India. But no hero here is good enough to take the fear and darkness away. Friend, Jesus is the true light who needs to come into your life and mine. Thanks for listening to a message that was brought to us by Pastor Michael Oxentango back in December of 2021. That is the first portion of The Star is Born. We will complete this broadcast the next time we get together. Thank you so much for listening today. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.